Hi, and welcome to Under an Open Heaven Podcast. We are glad you are joining us as we explore the reality of God's love expressed in Scripture and our own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the reality that we live under an open heaven. Enjoy! Hey, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Arthur Richardson. I have with me... Colton Jones, as always. And we're glad to have you back. Alrighty, so we've been chit-chatting quite a bit beforehand, which has been a lot of fun. I always enjoy it. Oh, man. So, um, this past weekend, I had the opportunity to go to confession, and um, my my penance was to read the last three chapters in Job because I had a, I've kind of alluded to it a few times in the past few months. Been kind of put through the ringer. Um, and in Job, there's the big question of why God, why have you let this? Why have you done this, um, to all of Job's suffering? And Job has a few friends that some of them, they, they do the right thing at first, they stick it out and they don't say a word, but then they try to give him advice. And they process his suffering, this information of his suffering, in such a way that it's through this lens of a gospel of providence, that if you're good, God will bless you. Right, so there's there's a few chapters here that I, I just, I just want a few verses in, in these last three that I would like to just to touch on. In chapter 40, verse 24, God is speaking to Job. He's speaking in response to all these questions. And God says, Who can capture him, him being the Leviathan, by his eyes, or pierce his nose with a trap? Can you lead Leviathan about with a hook, or tie down his tongue with a rope? Can you put a ring in his nose, or pierce through his cheek with a gaff? Will he then plead with you time after time or address you with tender words? Will he make a covenant with you that you may have him for a slave forever? So that's the first one that I want to touch on. So it's very interesting that as Job is asking, why am I suffering? Why is, why does life hurt so much right now? His friend's response at first is good and silent. They are just resting with him. They're there with him to cry and to suffer with him. But then their arrogance or their uncomfortableness with the situation kind of takes over. And they begin to express things that God has never said. They fixate on scripture passages, shall we say. They fixate on scripture passages that makes you believe that if you're good, God will provide for you everything and all that you need, and more so. And after 39 chapters, God steps in and says, no. Who are you to even question me? Were you there when I created the world? Were you there when I created this this monster. God goes on this uh, 
this uh, long stream of describing what the Leviathan is. And the Leviathan is, is, is essentially a creature of the deep, a sea monster, um, and a symbol of the devil. And there's almost a, there's definitely, because it, even the devil is God's creation, right? In standing in God's presence, Job has this realization of grandeur and awe. His vision has been raised up from his suffering to see the bigger picture. And God then turns and condemns the three other people who did not speak well of, of God. Not even, not both of Job for, for saying that he must have sinned and of God for, you know, just saying that God wasn't providing, that, you know, God wasn't taking care of, of them or is only conditional. So, I don't know. Um, it's just very interesting, just the perception that we have, uh, just in self-reflection, the perception that I've had due to a fixation on certain scripture passages and hoping that my life will be better if I'm good. Um, and I think that leads to into a broader understanding of we as humans just have this ability to fixate on different things, um, on different bits of information or how we process information in order to... Um, you know, whatever. It's just part of its personality, part of its um, formation or how we've been raised or whatever it is, you know? Um, yeah, Colton, do you have any thoughts just kind of regarding that? Yeah. Um, specifically with respect to the Leviathan, uh, I mean, the waters were chaos. You know, the, the symbol of chaos was the primordial waters mm-hmm. and the spirit hovered above you know and um the leviathan itself is like a deep dwelling agent of this chaos and it itself was symbolic of the uncertainty that chaos brings mm-hmm. uh, especially to Job, Job's entire experience of losing his family, of losing all of his possessions, becoming plagued with uh, illnesses, he his life was just falling into disorder, into chaos. And Leviathan, the thing that ruled the depths of chaos, God had planted a hook in its mouth. Because once you put a hook in a fish's mouth, you control where it goes. You know, mm-hmm. you're the master of that thing. So, um, what that it kind of it kind of like reminded me of all of the times that God showed us that He is the master of things uncertain to us. Mm-hmm. Um, him saying straight to Job, "Where were you when I, you know, put the hook in Leviathan's mouths in in Leviathan's mouth?" Or I, I laid the foundations of the earth and made them solid, you know. Uh, that he's not just the the god of over chaos; he's the god over steadfastness. When he laid the foundations of the world, um, 
and he alone shakes them. Uh, it's 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 a it's a, a sheer and profound reminder that um, that the God that Job encountered is the same God that we encounter today. Because mm-hmm. I, I my mind was taken to a point whenever Jesus like where do we see Jesus in water everywhere everywhere um water isn't just a symbol now especially whenever jesus was baptized it's not a symbol of chaos running water is a symbol of life Mm -hmm. uh it's it's a symbol of cleansing and rebirth and not only that but whenever jesus turned water into wine at the wedding at cana it became drink for us to bring life out of us to bring joy and Again, whenever the apostles were on the ocean, or not on the ocean, sorry, they were on the Black Sea and there was a big storm and Jesus was in the the belly of the boat, so to speak, and they're shaking him awake. Like, dude, what are you doing down there? How are you <laughs> sleeping right now? And he's, his demeanor wasn't that of fear of you know succumbing to chaos. It was more or less like why aren't you doing this and he gets up and he rebukes the storm rebukes the chaos itself and the waters calmed and mm-hmm. uh in another instance he walks across the water and uh him that's showing him treading over top of chaos itself over top of things that are uncertain because you know if you are a sailor if you're a fisherman and you look down into the depths your eyes can't penetrate very well. There could be anything down there, especially if you've encountered sharks. You're like, man, if sharks are up here at the surface, what lies in the depths? What leviathans dwell beneath? And here a man is walking across this chaos to see, you know, to, to, um, to greet you where you are. And then he invites you out from your safety in your boat and your the constructions of things that you thought were solid, you know, and the boat is something that that gets thrown about in the waves and everything. Um, I, I like to think of the boat in um, as our comfort, our mm. safety blanket. And Christ doesn't need that. He just walks right across the water and uh, he calls Peter to him. He says, come, come join me. Uh, come walk out on the water. And of course, Peter, with his eyes fixed on Christ, takes the first few steps, then looks down, mm-hmm. reminds himself of the chaos, and then sort of becomes swallowed by it, but not before Christ reaches out and pulls him up. Um, so that's that's sort of like a teaching moment, a pedagogy. God showing us that he is the the Lord of of the uncertainty, the Lord of chaos. And then he calls us out of our comfort zone out of the structures that we um, create in order to make sense of the chaos, to traverse the chaos of life. And he teaches us how to walk over it because our safety isn't the boat. It's him. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's that, that's, that's something that's a profound through line for me, whatever I consider Job and God telling him, where were you when I hooked Leviathan's mouth? When I tamed and 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 became the god over chaos, mm-hmm. um, and looking 
at how Christ interacted with his uh, apostles. Dude, I dig it. Yeah, I definitely think that's uh, like, there's a reason why the the mythical creature of Leviathan was a symbol of Satan of devil of the devil because we feel most oppressed when we feel insecure and we feel chaos rising. It's just interesting that that you had mentioned a a boat being a structure, mm-hmm. like a thing that we build to make us feel safe. And I think what can be a a thing that we build is some sort of fake gospel or some sort of like security blanket for ourselves where um, we try to cling to something that is not true, like is uh, a fake gospel, it's a fake aspect of faith in order to make us feel more secure to move forward. When I was talking with Corey a few weeks ago, we talked about it's a lot easier when you feel secure in something to address something else that is filled with chaos. So if you have at least one area in your life where you feel secure, you know, you can, you can address that. So I think when it comes to like the spiritual life, and I think this is where misconceptions or the fake gospels or, um, or even self justification, uh, with what the different saints have said, um, I think when we come up with ways that we can control ourselves or control faith in order that we might address some other aspect that feels chaotic, that feels dangerous, that feels painful, um, you know, that's that's a, that's the good, the self-defense mechanism thing that's going on. But the thing is, is that that that's usually how we create problematic thought patterns. And usually what Jesus has to come in and break in us later. Right? This is what Jesus, well, this is what God the Father condemned in Job's three friends. That they put in a security that because they were not, because they were wealthy, they were sinless. Mm-hmm. And God condemned that. That's often, <laughs> if, if you're wealthy, um, you often, I mean, th- this this was a true belief, uh, in often, and it's something that Jesus condemned too. Whenever he came, was about um, breaking the pattern of thought that God's blessing you was a sign that you yourself were righteous. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of broke that, you know, whenever he was healing people, and he was like. Was it for when they asked, you know, was it because your par- his parents sinned that he's this way, or was it his sin that made him this way? And he's just like, your your state does not have a direct bearing on whether you are sinful or not. Um, and that was a structure that Job's friends had in their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm rich, therefore I must be good. That's a massive logical leap. But of course, if you are pretty well off and you're happy, you are, I guess, maybe within your right to think that God must be pleased with me. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because it's the best thing to do. You know, <laughs> if God's going to keep blessing me uh, in, in the state that I'm in. And um, that's a structure of belief that, yeah, God at this time, too, was condemning. 
um and it's it's a false belief in god that god's necessarily going to bless you with the the riches of the world if you're good or the inverse of that if you're good it's because or if you're rich it's because you're good mm-hmm. but we shouldn't place contingencies on god in that way that if i do this he'll give me this because we're really used to that physically you mm-hmm. know it's you know that's how physical actions and physical outcomes happen if i i hold a pencil up in the air and i let go of it it's going to fall and hit you know hit the table or hit the ground because that's the way that nature works um and we tend to hold god according to the nature of business <laughs> business <laughs> you know transactions sometimes yeah that too that that there is an equal and opposite uh reaction to any action that i have so therefore if i'm good god will bless me yeah um yeah i think i think even if you don't believe in necessarily a prosperity gospel um and it's more along the lines of just whatever i think regardless self-righteousness in in general can easily turn into that um it doesn't necessarily have to be that i've got stuff you know it could be i'd say this certain devotional every single day you know you could even say i read scripture every single day right but just because you read it doesn't necessarily mean that you're consuming it you know just just because you read about god and his word does not mean you're necessarily living the commandment of Loving your neighbor, loving your enemy, as Jesus loved us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's certainly the case that whenever, say, we're, we're trying, we're, we're praying a lot, we're reading the Bible, and we're just finding it utterly difficult to love our neighbor. And so we try to pray harder and we read the Bible more. And we get in the cycle of frustration. It's often the case that it's a lot simpler than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, I don't, I'm not sure how familiar our listeners might be with uh, a fellow named Pelagius, but there's there there's there's an old there's an old belief that you can do something to earn your salvation. And this is along those lines that uh, your the belief that you can work and the things that you do will determine the graces that you receive from God. And it's not necessarily that. I mean, it has an aspect of truth that, yes, if you build up the uh, the habits of prayer and that prayer leads you closer to God, then you will understand God's will better and come to 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 love him in that respect. And that that's a really slow process, but it's not a, a it's not a direct output sort of system that I will love my neighbor if I read enough of the Bible. <laughs> or I will love my neighbor if I pray ten thousand rosaries. It's um, I think it honestly comes just from being consumed by the spirit, yeah, right. Absolutely. like genuinely, like 
genuinely we we have to we have to let go of control yeah. and our sense of security and be overcome by the glory of God in order to truly understand the bigger picture, to truly have our eyes be pulled off of our own suffering. Like Job, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's a huge point, at least for me, that as I look at my own life, and as I look at God, the more I can allow God to enter into my life, into my heart, into my mind, and help me lift my eyes up and out of my pain to see reality as he sees it more and more clearly. I'm still working on that one. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think think that's the key. It's got me thinking more of... uh the chaos in my life and the structures that I maybe cling to, like the apostles clung to the boat or uh, Job's friends clung to their understanding of how God works in their lives. Um, I certainly think there's, there's room for reassessing and for faith and stepping out of what I think I know. Um, yeah, and, and and also where I feel comfortable too, because um, in a lot of situations, what you value, if if what you value is threatened, um, mm-hmm. that's your safety blanket. You know, the the securing of the things that you value is your safety blanket. Um, and if something threatens the things that you value or the the security of the things that you value, you're that's that that is your deepest source of terror uh so for me i know that i value deeply making an impact on people's lives helping them understand themselves better and i know that the deepest fear in my heart is not being able to do that Mm -hmm. and the step of faith that i need to take is to not make it about what i'm doing um or what i could be doing or relying on my own ability to to make that change make that impact or influence people and how i hope to influence them mm-hmm. um, first and foremost i know it's utterly about god's action god's work and the step of faith is letting go of what I want to do, how mm-hmm. I think I, I, I ought to impact people, and releasing that to God a bit more. So um, that, that yeah. in itself can be a, maybe a challenge to our audience, too. I think that's a really great challenge. Um, I mean, how many times have I, we as a people, just preached out of our own experience rather than out of what we feel like God actually wants to tell them, you know, tell the person in front of us? Like, how many times have we looked at this person not as an opportunity to justify myself, but as 
an individual with different experiences. Um, just a different way of experiencing life and a different relationship with God and is at a different point, you know? Yeah, so I definitely think it's a great challenge. Let's end in prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. We praise you and we thank you for you are good. We ask you to show us your glory, to lift our eyes off of our own suffering and our own pain, filled with your majesty. Lord, help us not to focus on trying to hook the, the, the Leviathan ourselves, trying to capture security ourselves, but rather just let you do your thing, to call us out upon the water, to catch us when we fall. Father, you make our feet secure, even as we stand upon the chaos. Father, we ask you to send forth your spirit of peace upon all of our listeners, upon us, in our chaos, in our pain, in our suffering, to strengthen us and to give us peace in a new and profound way. Give us insight in how you want us to move forward in our lives. An insight in how you love us. We ask this in the name of your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and God bless. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We hope that this podcast blessed you. And we ask if it did, share that with the people that you love so that it can bless them as well. If you want to reach out to us, we are available on Facebook. We are under an open heaven. Our email address is under an open heaven dot fire at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at under an open heaven dot fire. So Please go uh, give those a gander and send us any th- any feedback that you want. We would be happy to reply to you. God bless. Bye.